0: You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country. They're like three minutes late. We're used to 30 minutes late. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yep. I'm like Not with me and Nick. Not me and Nick don't like being late
1: no we don't yeah the coffee had to finish brewing and it's not really broncos for breakfast if uh, i do not have that caffeine
0: coursing yeah, through my veins that, that it's zombies for 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 breakfast
1: yeah not about that life there's too much fun to had, but uh, i need i need that little bit of a pick me up in the morning coffee is i didn't i went through all of college without drinking coffee i did not discover coffee until i was a little older than i was like man i was an idiot. What was I doing?
0: I, I actually like waiting until I wake up a little bit and then having my coffee. Like if you can wait until like nine o'clock, cause then you get that legit caffeine rush and not just the feed the beast because you're on uh you're, 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 you're uh, going through withdrawals. <laughs> oh
1: man. The beast needs fed. Well, guys, speaking of the beast being fed, good morning to everybody. Happy Thursday. Uh, joining in the first time being a little late, but, uh, I like, I see people are usually, Usually three minutes late with uh, Chad and Zach. They are not the uh, always on time, but that's okay. Well, we're, we're not late. We're we arrive exactly the time we meant to. Um, but you Broncos for breakfast, guys. Good morning. Good morning. I am Nicholas Kendall along with Scott Kennedy. You can find us on Twitter at nickkendallmhh and at scout kennedy. Guys, also make sure you follow the mothership at Mile High Huddle. Um, if you hear any noise right now, that's my dog scratching himself in the background in his kennel. Um, you can also that's follow us me. on. Okay, that's it. It's just Scott. Um, you can follow us at facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod. If you're joining us on YouTube, guys, please, please, please subscribe, like, and share. That doesn't just go for the mile high huddle podcast or the uh, our, any of our shows, but also Scott's channel as well, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Scott Kennedy. Uh, also, guys, make sure you click the thumbs up. We have people joining us right now. If you're on Facebook or YouTube, like, uh, heart, you know, laugh, react, whatever, whatever. Oh, and here is. Man, uh, good morning to you, John. How you doing? Hope you're doing well. And uh, I'm gonna drop in the comment section as well, uh, Scott Sub, so that way you guys can just click on that and uh, help him, help us, help you. Uh, just click that sub. So, Scott, how what are you? What do you got right now?
0: On Nick, we're getting close. I'm uh, mm-hmm. I'm at um I'm at 800, so 200 yeah. more, and that, that 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 page starts monetizing. So with with everybody's help on here, uh some some content on there, it's good. I, I posted a video yesterday. Of uh, maybe the nastiest offensive lineman I've ever seen come out of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, check it out if you haven't already. There's this one play, and he, he moved it to the front of his, uh, of his highlights where the kid just goes, he's an offensive tackle. The kid in front of him just goes flat, calls no joy. What does he do? I'm not lying. I mean, he Jimmy Superfly Snookas. You're not old enough to remember him. But he was the first guy to go off the top. The uh, superfly was the first guy to go off the top of the uh, the ring post, and he just splashes him. Boom! Oh <laughs> no! Just God. hilarious. So oh. anyway, good stuff. Good stuff. Did that other
1: kid that got buried have to retire?
0: So I was like, I don't know what's going on here. Like you know, did they? They kind of joke about it, but I mean, I guess he figured he was getting pancaked anyway. You might as well just start in that position. So yeah, um, good thing. Good stuff.
1: Oh my God. Um we got Malcolm Brown coming in here saying hello from Homer, Alaska. You're back home. Not from uh not with his wild cats and the wild grandchildren, but uh I'm glad that you are back in the back in your domain there up in Alaska, Malcolm. But uh hopefully the grandkids are good. Hopefully you had a good time out there. And Cam Wirtz is in the house as well. Jeremy Sean, Mr. Yeah, uh, Kirk Cousins. I said we lot. were
0: starting at 10, about 10 oh three, you know, and uh, I I forgot about the the different time changes here.
1: Yeah. Yep. No, it's we got all the time zones here for Mile High Huddle. Eric's out in Alaska. We got UK, et cetera, et cetera. So Cam's in the house. Good morning to Swink McLeod. Swink, we love you. Jason, hope you're doing well. Good morning to you. Cambert says morning as well. Mo Ron saying the best MHH show. Well, if, uh, if a Mo Ron says this is the best show, I'm not sure what's going on. But uh, as Scott says here, uh, thanks, Mo. We are just keep teasing you, but he said, glad you like it. Only get better when there's more real football to talk about. Um, so that's great, Actually, George. I know that guy. <laughs> That is him. Yeah, that, he looks familiar. Um, it, it
0: was like that, I right? made some converts with my Superfly Snuka, uh Superfly, Superfly Superfly snooker comments. So yeah, I, we we did um, we did uh, building the Broncos, and uh, we got a little a little more working over of uh, of some of the the the, the late nighters to do. They're they're skeptics. Man, they're, skeptics. That's they're Like okay. what's an Atlanta guy doing here? I'm like, man, we all grew up a fan of somebody, right? Come on now. See. I actually
1: really like, and I, I this hurts myself, I guess, but I really like the outside perspective because, as a scientist and somebody who designs studies and whatnot or helps design studies, any way you can remove bias, that's a good thing. You have well, more third party
0: validation analysis. is always, yes. you know, third party validation is always is always good to hear. You know, I know what I'm seeing, but uh, and sometimes we like get in an echo chamber. You know, I found a mm-hmm. couple guys I follow on YouTube for Chelsea because of a player that I just absolutely hated. I'm like, there's got to be more people that hate him. And yeah. I went and found them.
1: <laughs> we got Albert's in the house today as well. Uh, EJ said, good morning, Jason over on YouTube. Guys, if you're on YouTube, like, once again, like, subscribe, and share, not just our page, but also Scott's page. You click that link. Good times will happen. Albert's in the house. Dave Glassman's in the house. Uh, Jason McLeod. Reese, classic, Superfly. There we go, coming in. He knows what you're talking about there.
0: Sarah in the house. 80s. He's, he's at least an 80s kid. If he knows, if he knows Superfly, Jimmy Snuka.
1: Well, good. Bob Skinner in the house. Charlie Beagle in the house. Reese Scott. Victor Rios. Gary Leeds Palmer. Morning, Nick and Scott. Thanks for being here. Big E in the house. Mark Rich. Uh Sarath, man. Uh, okay, awesome. Sareth has uh, been a Twitter follower of mine who is a super, just genuine, nice person um, and always enjoy talking with them. So they say morning. Uh, first time I get to watch live. Pimped. I think they mean uh okay, here we go. Yeah, pumped,
0: not pissed. It worked well, either way. It really you know did.
1: What? I'm okay with that. There is it's a no judgment zone in here, except when it comes to the uh the actual football analysis. We are judging the heck out of them. But uh in the chat, you know, as long as long as everything's consensual going on, well, okay, whatever. Um, but uh yes, let's get to it. Um, I think our topic today is the something that Zach Kelberman on his Kelberman Corner Corner show talked about what would make a top 16 average quarterback play for Drew Locke this season? And for me, a lot of times quarterback play stats, you know, stats can lie, right? It has to go with the eye test as well. It has to have some context. That's a little bit less true in NFL than it is in college, right? Like Because college is so, the the game is so different, uh, conference to conference, uh, area to area. Like Case Keenum is the all-time leader in passing yards and passing touchdowns. Doesn't make him a good quarterback in the NFL. I mean, relatively, he's, he's better than me at playing quarterback. But compared to NFL standards, it doesn't make him a good quarterback. But uh, in the NFL, what are you thinking about for uh, Drew Locke? What does he have to do this year to be an average quarterback? What do the stats look like?
0: Well, we we talked right off the top of our heads of, you know, what's the gut feel for this? You know, what would it take to be a 15 guy? And for me, my gut feel was 250 yards per game and then a 2-1 to touchdown interception ratio. And then reading Eric's uh, article, it was pretty close to that. We actually look back that last year there was actually more efficiency. Last year he went back and averaged the, the number 16-ranked quarterback for the last five years, and it, it was lower. The, the quarterback play at that spot was better last year than it was historically. So last year we look at that, and the number was almost three to one on that touchdown-interception ratio. But the touchdown-interception ratio for me, which is it's for me the big ones, when I'm looking at quarterbacks by numbers – I want to see completion percentage and I want to see TD to to INT ratio. I want to know how well are you taking care of the ball and how effective are you in putting it in the end zone and keeping it out of the other hands? To me, those are the most important things that that a quarterback can do statistically. Again, we don't know some of the things that could go on that could build up numbers or take away numbers. Oh, we had three interceptions game. Did you see the weather? They played it in hurricane. You know, I don't know why they're throwing the ball at all. You know, so there's, there's an anomalies in there that you, you have to factor for. So yeah. um, he, he came up with that number that was actually a little less historically than, than what we saw from last year. But my gut feeling was right on. It was, it was about 250 yards, actually a little less than that over the course of the past five years, about 230. And then a two-to-one touchdown interception ratio. Now, how close do you think – because I did some research on this one then I want to have some fun with this one. How, how close do you think Drew Locke actually is to achieving that type of status?
1: statistically speaking, um, he's pretty far off. Uh, He was a bottom, statistically speaking, again, Mm -hmm. bottom three or five quarterback last year. Now I know that there are a lot of uh, valid, I want to emphasize valid, all caps, on valid excuses for Locke last year, struggling like he did, Uh, losing Cortland Sutton when Locke is more of a general accuracy thrower versus a precision, you know, um, throwing honey drops in there thrower. Uh, So you lose Cortland Sutton out of the gate, that's going to really, really hurt you. Um, also using a uh, another new offense, a new scheme uh, that's still West Coast in nature, but different emph- points of emphasis from uh, Rich Skangarillo's more Kyle Shanahan West Coast offense to uh, Pat Shermer's more Andy Reid 11 personnel heavy um, West Coast offense. So that's something that's important. Learning that new scheme is- makes it difficult. Uh, also, everybody had to deal with this last year, with the Broncos, because they were one of the youngest teams, new scheme, et cetera, youngest teams on offense, um, what happened last year with uh, how you didn't get a meet in person, the limited time, et cetera, et cetera. Those all impacted Locke's stats, but Locke's stats were bad, um, bottom three to five. And uh, so it's it's it'll actually be a pretty big leap for him to go from where he was last year to average. And that's not including, like, if people talk about um, some quarterbacks recently who have made huge, just huge turnarounds. And they the word would be an anomaly because this typically doesn't happen. But Josh Allen is one. And uh, Ryan Tannehill is another one that uh, I think people don't talk about as much as taking that huge leap forward. He was okay. in Miami is actually more injury stuff, and he also played wide receiver <laughs> before quarterback um, at Texas A&M. So the path is a little different. Um, but it's it would be difficult to take a big uh, a big step forward. Doesn't mean it can't happen because there are a lot of factors that would point to Locke being a great positive regression candidate. But uh, I mean, it, it'll be tough. It'll it'll be tough. It'll be an anomaly.
0: His, uh, you know, his overall QB rating for the year was, let me see what it was, 75.4. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's uh, to get up to 93 is, is a pretty big leap. Now, okay, turn up, turn up your hearing aids, everybody, because uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start cherry picking stats and have a little fun with this, because that's what I did yesterday. That's what I did this morning. Yeah. Uh, when he came back off the COVID list, his last five games, he was an 87.5. Not bad. That's no. not that far off. His last nine games was a 79, okay, but a lot of that that was a lot of that that took away. And, and everybody's gonna most most players are gonna have a game like this. But if you take away that one game, that four interception game against the Raiders in Las Vegas, where who knows what the factors were for that one game, the last he was uh, the last eight games of the season. Decent sample size in a quarterback's first year. If you take that one out, half a season. He was an 89.1, okay? So he's knocking on the door. So if you can say, okay, yes, and this is a big leap, we can expect this. We can expect him to play at this level. That one game was an anomaly. We can expect that eight game. That's what we should see out of these eight games. What would it take to move up from an 89 to a 93 and hit that average? You know what it would take? What? Two extra completions per game. That's it. That's it. So if we take the last half of the season, what does it take for Drew Locke to be a 93 rated quarterback? Two completions.
1: It's two easier completions. said than done, though, right? Like that's all, all you two, need but is that's
0: a, the numbers, right? Lies, yeah. lies, damn lies, and statistics. Yeah, that's it. He was two completions per game away, whether it's a drop pass, errant throw, whatever, two. Of course, you know, two ground balls a week will get you uh, in the Hall of Fame in, in Major League Baseball, Yeah, you know, that, that, that sneak through. But when we talk about how far away is Drew Locke, if we consider the fact, all the factors coming in, as he got comfortable into, into the offense, as he started playing better, or, you know, the flip side of this, we can do a debate on this all the way, and I'll take the other side too. As the pressure was off because the season was tanked, you know, the, as the game started meaning less and less, but as he got more comfortable – Drew Locke was two completions away from being a 93. That's no. not bad. That's no. not that far off, right?
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely not. And you know me. I, I do like my stats. And uh, before before I got into the football stats, I think I was a pretty big fan of the advanced stats in baseball. Uh, WRC+, uh, ERA+, et cetera, those adjusted stats. you know, Stuff like that where you're really getting a, a better picture than the raw data. And football is behind baseball. When it comes to advanced analytics, I mean, baseball is a bigger sample size. It's more controlled. The variables are more controlled, you know, pitcher to batter. Like that's, yeah. you don't have 11 on 11 where it's way more intermeshed in football. So it's a little bit harder to do football, but there is sure. good data out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of my favorites are, uh, CPOE and EPA per play. And I actually, um, a while ago, I'll pull it up right now. Um, pulled up a couple different, um, stats here. So we have drew locks, uh, last season, with the, uh, the whole season, where he ranked uh, statistically. So this is weeks, uh, all the weeks, minimum 340 stats. And uh, here's lockdown here on the bottom left. You don't want to be there. Um, then the X-axis is CPOE, the... The Y-axis is EPA per play, so expected points averaged per play. So just how efficient those guys are at creating explosive plays that do lead to points. And Locke struggled last year. Now, you do see him actually having solid air yards, which means he is pushing the ball vertically, Um, and that's something you see with Locke. He's 5 out of 32 here. Maybe you'll see him dial that back to become more efficient in his pass plays, but his completion percentage was the worst in the NFL. Uh, His expected completion percentage, which the throws that he is making, um, that's what you – where he's throwing the ball and what you'd expect based on where it's going uh, pretty low as well. But then his completion perspective perspective over ex- uh, expected was just, just really, really, really bad. Um, so that's, I, that's I'd a I'd like concern. you to
0: look at that over the the last half of the season. And I
1: have it, I have it right here. Good, so good, let's, good, good.
0: Let's do that. Um, you know, and, and like I said, and I, I, uh, uh, I forgot, I think Reese was saying that serious cherry picking of stats. I said that to begin with, I know, <laughs> I know that. Um, but, you know, it, when you're talking about a first year quarterback in a new system with no preseason, if you look at the second half of the season, that's not a tiny sample size. That's a decent sample size that we're talking about. Um, you know, yeah. and, and he was uh, he was considerably better over the last half of the season than he was in the first half of the season. Now, um, go ahead. This is your yeah. this is your uh, spider graph here.
1: Yeah, so uh this is uh, another one CPOE per play. Uh Lock actually was a little bit better th- weeks 11 through 17. Now it is important noting that the Broncos or Drew Lock did avoid playing the Saints, which had one of the best defenses in football uh because he was can't even Drew Lock. He is um There he is. He's in orange. Brown, yes, that makes orange, sense. Got him. The one that says D Lock right there. <laughs> um but uh So his uh, EPA plus CPUE composite, which is just kind of the EPA per play and CPUE uh, combined into one score. He's about average actually from weeks 11 to 17. He was average. So uh, 18 out of 32, his completion percentage over expected was still um, very concerning. It's something that that is something I'm not sure exactly how that improves that much, because this is something that was, he was horrible. And that stat also in college, he was bad. Even his good, Five game sample size, his rookie season, et cetera, et cetera. So he was uh, 28 out of 32 uh, there last year. But you see his area yards drop a little bit. Uh, becomes 15 out of 32, and his EPA per play, an area that that Y axis lock. Typically, he's worse on this X axis. The uh, CPOE better on the Y axis does jump here. It's above that red line, which is great. Uh, EPA per play, it is important. Important to note though, the uh, this stats, these data, um, they do not adjust for the opponent, so in a small sample size, if you run up against multiple bad defenses, guess what? Your your stats are going to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Broncos did play easier defenses down the stretch last year. The Raiders yeah, as you're losing Chargers,
0: games and you're forced to pass. You know, that too. I, I went back and looked at uh, the. you know, I think the, the that was one of the few games the Falcons won last year was over the Broncos. And I looked I went and looked, I'm like, sure enough, Falcons run up a big lead, and the, the Broncos scored 21 points in the fourth quarter. Um, but one of the few teams that didn't end up uh, coming back and winning that game. Um, they, they jumped on Carolina, and then Teddy Bridgewater and, and Carolina had good passing stats in the season. That's one of the things that helped inflated, you know, Matt Rice. I said the fifth yeah. best rushing att- uh, passing attack last year. We couldn't run the ball. So uh, I want to get to Air Mason oh. um, you know, saying, why didn't Locke take the offseason approach last year? Um, last year, if you remember where we were at this time, things were very different. You know, there were people yeah. setting up uh, Nerf guns with wiffle balls in it to take batting practice because, um, <laughs> you know, th- I mean, I-, I live in Georgia and we were about as open as any place in the world mm-hmm. um, Memorial Day weekend. Literally, um, you know, we were back out and playing sports with our kids in organized games in, in, at the end of May and in June. That was pretty rare. So I'm going to give anybody and everybody a pass for last spring and early summer. Um, yeah. What do, you, what do you think on that, Nick? Just th- thinking
1: about uh, early what's going on in the world right now because we're not supposed to say the word to get flagged by YouTube. But uh, my favorite moment was the uh, the that priest baptizing that child with a squirt gun. Yeah, the, just God. What a crazy time. This this we live in a simulation, folks. Um, oh, but the, good <laughs> Lord, I mean,
0: I won't get into how yeah
1: it's, ridiculous just, that
0: sounds to me. But you know. Um, Whatever, uh, Aaron Mason. <laughs> so, but the, the point Superman. is, is I'm not going to get on anybody for uh, the off-season approach that they had last June, last yeah. June, last May. You know, I went, I went five weeks without getting in an automobile for the first time of my life. Mm. Um, you know, and we were fairly open here in, in mm. Georgia. So, you know, I, uh, I can understand. My, my point on this is though. Is there's there's encouraging signs to say that he's not that far away yeah from making that leap to average okay and, and right now average would be good if you can take the negative away from the quarterback play for the Denver Broncos this is gonna be a damn good team and I think it's something we're expecting aren't we I mean we both have the Broncos with a you know a five or six game turnaround for the uh for the 2021 season
1: yeah uh, I guess the question is you even in incremental improvement at quarterback play can have a massive difference. I'm working on a formula right now where it ranks a uh, team and uh, for uh, per position, like it spits out a value. And right now I have the quarterback weight overall for the entire team being 33% of the entire roster. So even if you improve just a little bit, it's going to have a big impact given the weight of the value of the quarterback position. So um, I don't know if he's going to improve to be that 12 to 18 range. That's, I mean, if he does, this Broncos team is going to win, at minimum 10 games, at, at minimum 10 games. Um, but uh, is he going to be, because last year he was bottom three, bottom five, is he going to be bottom 10? That would still be a decent improvement, right? Like that would still be uh, not good. That's the wrong word. But I mean, they're in the right direction and on a rookie contract,
0: that's not bad. Well, and, and we were talking, you know, if you look at the numbers that he was, that, that Eric was putting up that quarterback rating of a, of a 93, Teddy Bridgewater was a 92.1 last year on a bad team. So let's mm-hmm. put that as the, as the, as the bottom. Yes. You know, if you can get 95 uh, QB rating from your team, that's a massive jump. Yep. And you should, the Broncos yep. should be in that, in that neighborhood this year. Um,
1: I didn't want to an- answer this a little bit more for air Mason, because this is a good question. I have a little bit of a different take here than you do also. Why didn't Locke have this offseason approach last year? One. Uh, I think he's, he's gone through the ringer a little bit. He got beat up last year. He struggled maybe a little bit of eye-opening. You know, he's not, even in his press conference interviews and whatnot, he seems more ticked off. You know, he's not this kid anymore. He understands that, uh, wow, I was, and he would be the first to tell you, I know people on area, you're too tough on Locke. Locke would tell you he was bad last year too. He would say that he would need to play better. And that's great. He has some self-realization now. People just totally giving up on him. Um, he should be irritated about that. That's great to hear that he's kind of ticked about that. But why didn't he approach this way last year? I think that he had, he was kind of feeling himself a little bit too much. Um, he had, uh, just didn't quite understand the, the difficulty that was going to happen in this league. Also last year, um, everybody was gassing them up, et cetera, et cetera, including the team. John Elway gave him a path of least resistance to that quarterback position. Jeff Driscoll, Brett Rippon. Those are your quarterback competition guys. No, now you bring in Teddy Bridgewater. You're going to have to earn it. This isn't going to be given to you. Like it was last year with, uh, John Elway as the general manager. So, uh, why didn't Locke take this up offseason approach last year? To be honest, to be the starting quarterback, he didn't have to. This year, he does. Otherwise, he's not going to be playing.
0: And and there's a <clears throat> there's definitely a the we're just happy to be here feeling is now gone. Yes. He, he's not happy to, you know, it it it's bright eyed and bushy-tailed. Now reality mm-hmm. is set in for him. You know, mm-hmm. so it's and good for him. Uh, you know, earlier this week, I mentioned his mentality, the, the, the way he has taken this. A lot of guys could take their money. You know, He's, mm-hmm. he's going to make more money on one contract than, than Nick and I will probably make in our whole lives. So ah, he's set. Nice. And a lot of them will just kind of take it and, and, and be done uh, and fold up and you know turn to different things. And he has accepted this challenge. And I think that's a good sign. How that pays off, we'll see. You yeah. know, we'll see. But um, I don't think he's as far away um, as, as it seems, I, I don't, yeah. um, I want to thank Kyle wielding again. Uh, says, I, I agree with Mo Ron and I just like saying Mo Ron, um, best, best mile high huddle show. Um, Kyle, appreciate your support on this and this, and, uh, you know, and follow me on, on, uh, on YouTube. Every little bit of that helps as I get closer to 1,000. So thank you very much on that. And then, uh, you know, and air Mason followed up again by saying his favorite, favorite mile high huddle show. Keep it up and thank you. Now, I've got a, a data point, that, depending on your point of view, um, could either be positive or negative um, as, as how it gets to Drew Locke. It depends on which way he goes with it. You know, I, I'm looking at his numbers and I think, okay, you know, he might have been under, under a little bit of pressure. Mm, no. <laughs> he was sacked the third fewest times. Let me see. Let me double check that. Make sure. Yeah. Any quarterback that had at least 10 starts in the NFL, he was sacked the third fewest in the NFL. So the positive I would take away from that is he needs to be calmer. He needs to calm down. Mm-hmm. He needs to take his time, take a hit. It, Cause if, it, if he's getting that much time and he's getting sacked that, that few nods, I'd, I'd like to see pressures also, mm-hmm. but you know, typically if you're getting sacked 50 times, you're getting pressured. Just as much as that. So my takeaway from that was he needs to he needs to either you know learn to take a hit, stay a little tougher in the pocket because if you're getting sacked the third fewest times with the worst accuracy, that's bad. Yeah. That should be correctable. and that should come with confidence and experience and time. So that would be my positive takeaway on that. My negative was that it's like we're giving this time and he still isn't making the throws. My question, my negative take on that would be, well, this just isn't the guy. Um, so it'll be up to him. Well, and, and we're going to find out. We're going to find out this year if he takes that step because the pieces are in place for him to do that. And, and for me, like I said, you, you've got a running game, You know, 13th best running game in the league. Well, You're protecting your quarterback. You've got to be able to then make the throws as an NFL quarterback. So he needs to make that step this year. And that was an issue with him in college as well.
1: Drew Locke, um, let's call it as it is. uh, He is excellent um, at avoiding sacks. That is probably one of the best things you can point to with him. Um, The Broncos, uh, two years ago, going from Joe Flacco, one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the NFL, a uh, stick in the pocket, might as well just be a tackling dummy back there, to Drew Locke, who um, doesn't take sacks. But sometimes, and it's crazy to say, obviously you need a little nuance, but like to a fault, right? Like he is bailing on the pocket early. He's not getting through all his progressions. Um, if that first read isn't there, he, he will tend to uh, get rid of the football or force it somewhere. Um, so you tend to see it's, it's a double-edged sword because you don't want your quarterback to be too aggressive in the pocket, taking big hits um, putting the ball in harm's way with strip sacks, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but sacks are a quarterback stat as much as they are an offensive line stat. Um, and you see guys like uh, Ryan Tannehill takes a lot of sacks, but he could be greedy in the pocket. He's looking mm-hmm. for that big play. Uh, Deshaun Watson, consistently one of the most sacked quarterbacks. Part of that is the offensive line, but also a lot of it is uh, Deshaun Watson's game. Uh, Justin Fields also can be pretty greedy in the pocket, Um, but that's because they're looking to hunt. So uh, while Drew Locke, it is good that he is avoiding sacks. You want to see him, and this was an issue more so in college. I did think he had improved there uh, since college the NFL, but stepping up in the pocket, buying time instead of just falling backwards, bailing on the pocket, trying to escape. Uh, That's something you see from some young quarterbacks, and hopefully you'll continue to see Locke progress there. You don't want him to take the sacks. That's not what I'm saying, but you do want him to hang tough. Uh,
0: well, easy to and, say and, and Jason and Robert are both saying, um, in this set, and Jason he was pressured the sixth most in the NFL last year, and, and that's why I said that was one of the things I, I want to see now. But let's let's compare that with like Ben Roethlisberger, who is is really hard to sack. Yeah, he's getting pressured. He's avoiding a sack. And he makes plays. I mean, he's he's older yeah. now, you know. Obviously, Josh Allen would be. One. He's he's uh, you know, it, it, when he was at his best, he could he could do. He was getting pressured, avoiding sacks, and making plays. So again, like I said, I we're Nick and I both like numbers, but then we want to verify. You mm-hmm. know, we we like statistics, and then we want to know why. If I see something, I want to back it with statistics. So those are good points. And and when I started, I said let's. I, I'd be interested in how often he's pressured too. So thank you for for adding to that.
1: Yeah, we got Richard coming in from across the pond. the uh, across the across the pond. Uh, need that coffee going here. Um, with the two ninety nine or two twenty nine euro. Uh, one here. Thank you very much, Richard. Saying at Scott, love your stats. At Nick, love Locke more. Uh, I try not to love anyone too much unless uh they were on the team before I was covering them. So uh, I plead the fifth when it comes to Von Miller. Um, and, uh, Peyton Manning and whatnot. But, uh, since then I've tried to put on the, take off the fan hat, put on the analyst hat because I'm not here to be biased if at all possible. Um, but, uh, you know, those are some good points, uh, all around. So I don't know. I think we, we should definitely lock can get there. I think he will get better this year, but I do think that he's going to have to earn it. And I think that that's going to be tough for him. I mean, this team, they went out and got Teddy Bridgewater at the coach's request, right? Like this is a George Payton guy. But the, the, uh, the coach is like, okay, we need to bring somebody in here because just with Locke and what we saw last year, isn't good enough. We're going to be fired. That's my understanding verified from multiple people covering the team in the team. Um, so you can know, take that as it is. Um, doesn't mean Drew Locke won't win the job. I think everybody in there would rather Drew Locke win the job because you're going more places. If Locke can step up and become that guy rather than Teddy Bridgewater where he's at right now, his age, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, uh, He's going to have to earn it, and that can only be a good thing.
0: Well, and, and the Teddy Bridgewater move isn't a move to say we're giving up on Locke. It's, an ins- it's a short-term insurance policy. So as we said on Tuesday, Teddy Bridgewater is not going to be the starter in two years. You know, if he's a starter this year, it's because he was better than Drew Locke. So yep. if Drew Locke is the starter this year, he could be the starter in two years. He may win that position and make it his own. But Teddy's there as a failsafe. And if Teddy's the starter, Denver's going to be in the market for a quarterback. Plain
1: and mm. so. Yep, and Teddy also, he had a two years left on his deal. He renegotiated it, less hit, and now it's one year. So, I mean, writing's on the wall there. If it's Teddy, it's just a – it's another Joe Flacco move. It's it kind of like even Case Keenum, although you'd hoped he'd be here longer. Um, it's a one-season move, kind of like what you saw with the Washington football team and the Bears this year with uh, Andy Dalton and Ryan Fitzpatrick pre-draft. Obviously, the Bears got uh, Justin Fields. But uh, that changes things. And I wanted to get to one from uh, John uh, coming in here earlier. I flashed it a few times, but the Supers kept rolling, and we appreciate the Supers guys um, saying last year, and this is a good, another interesting fact about Drew Locke, he had some of the highest rate of big-time throws in the NFL, and that kind of goes into his air yards per play, pushing the ball vertically, and uh, being a quote-unquote quote gunslinger. Um, so do you expect him to drop that number back this upcoming season? or? Do you think it'll be higher, uh, given that Cortland Sutton's coming back and having a guy like Cortland Sutton down the field can only help your ability to hit big-time throws?
0: Yeah. uh, What I did for fun was uh, QB rating uh, for NFL and college are different, and the QB rating for college likes to – I say overvalue yards per attempt. I was like, well, mm-hmm. let's see where that one is. It wasn't much better. So I didn't bring it up just now. <laughs> I didn't bring it up. It, it was a ton better. He was still, uh, you know, ahead of Sam Darnold, Carson Wentz, Dwayne Haskins, but behind, uh, behind most everybody else for the course of the year. But again, for me, it was, you know, all I ever ask is out of myself, work, kids I coach, whatever, just always get better. You know, make sure the line's going the right way. And I, I think we saw that last year towards the end of the season for one reason or another, again, maybe the pressure's off. You know, I've seen that in Atlanta when they start 0 and 7 and finish, you know, with five and two at the end of the year. I'm like, yeah, doesn't matter now. Thanks. Just blew your draft position. Um, yeah. The pressure comes off, but by that same token, as he gets more comfortable, the pressure will come off of him anyway. You know, yeah. you th- how much pressure do you think, you know, Aaron Rodgers felt in his fifth year as a star? He's like, no, I-, I belong in this league. Yeah. So again, that's about the the step for him. That's the, can he can he make that step? And, and obviously Broncos fans are, are all, all hoping that he does. You know, I don't think anybody roots actively roots against him. Um, they they want him to be the guy. And if he's not, he's not back to the, you know, back to the draft pool, back to the free agent pool. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, is what it is. And uh, the Broncos, obviously, they looked
1: pretty hard um, this offseason to see if they could upgrade the quarterback position. Um, because what Locke had shown to date uh, had not been good enough, but also the cost of upgrading the quarterback position, it just it never matched what they were willing to give. So uh, that's, I mean, that's, I appreciate George Payton for that. I, You know, and you would have also pulled the trigger on Justin Fields, and that is independent of Drew Locke, mostly because we both like Justin Fields as a prospect. Um, but still, the, there's plenty of hope for Drew Locke becoming a better quarterback. There's a lot of circumstances. And I just have a hard time with it. You know, we're both data guys and we know the stats can lie. If you, uh, cherry pick and present them in a certain light, if you dial them down enough, they've lose their predictive, uh, ability. But, uh, with drew Locke, you have a choice, I guess, when it comes to the stats, you can either throw away everything because last year was such a weird season an anomaly year. And there are, I mean, youngest offense in the NFL, Uh, offensive line starting a bunch of new people, uh, another new scheme, obviously the weird off season, the weird season, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Also, yeah, he had another injury last year as well. It's something I feel like we don't talk about enough. He's missed games two years in a row due to injury. Um, Okay. Those are all factors where your ability to compare with those variables to dial it down. You have a sample size of one, right? Like it's just drew lock. Like how can you use any predictive? stats based on past performance of other players when you have that many specific variables to dial it down to or uh, thresholds, or you can look at his stats in a vacuum and compare them historically to everything that's happened ever. Um, let's say in the last 10 years, because the game has changed and compare where his stats are to other players over that time period. And that's not good. So I, I don't know what to do because I, I appreciate that there are a lot of factors last year that make it a rare occurrence for drew lock that was going against him that made it harder for him. But you don't just want to throw away all previous data to not create a, or not give yourself the most informed decision possible.
0: Well, you know, since we don't necessarily know, we, we know what drew lock needs to do to step up. I mean, he, yeah. that's it. He's got to step up. And these are the data points that we've talked about to do that. So my question now becomes how's the team improve? How much has the team improved around him? You know, what were some of the factors on the field? He spent a ton of money on Jawan James and he's a bust. Yeah. So does the right tackle position improve one step, two steps? Is it, is it still a problem based on injuries? You know, uh, I think the running back position should be better. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, with, uh, with the, with the draft coming in and some depth there, the wide receiver position should get better just with, with Cortland getting healthy. So from, so when I look at it, the question then becomes that right tackle spot you know, can everything around the quarterback position take a step up as well this year?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a good point. Um, I want a couple other spots that I want to get into there. Just to, independent of drew lock, this offense, what gets better second year in the system that should hopefully be better. Uh, people. I think we said this Tuesday night, people want to make a lot of excuses for drew lock. Well, a lot of those excuses are also valid for Pat Shermer, right? Pat Shermer changed the, the offensive system around lock as the season went on Drew locks st- stats getting better. Well, guess what? That correlated win with Shermer changing what he was asking drew lock to do. It's, you know, it's chicken or the egg, uh, both those guys had to kind of feel each other out and see what's working or not, and kind of uh, hopefully work with each other to maximize the offense. and uh,
0: and and you're and you're learning your team yes. And as a coach, if you've if, if y'all have ever coached anything, I don't care if it's you know at the NFL level down to youth sports, you got to learn your team and you yes. constantly improve and learn every game, what you can ask for them and what you can depend on people. The, in in soccer, the word gets called trust a lot. Do you trust this guy? And, and that's a that's a blanket for. What do you know you're going to get out of them? And, and like you're saying, I think that helped, you know, a, a, as he was learning the team and learning what they could do, learning what their strengths was, can and can't do, that got better as well. So there's a reason why 17-game season, I think I went 12 and – I don't know if I went 12 and 5. I have to look it back up. Let's say 11 and 6. I think I went 11 and 6 this year. I think you I went 12 t- and 5 though, Nick. I think I started off.
1: I thought you went 10 and 7.
0: <laughs> no, I didn't go 10 and 7 uh, because it was like winning like – seven of the last nine games. I'm going to say the worst I said was 11 and six.
1: Okay. Well, that's uh, I always try to, again, I look at it like the bracket. I got to pick a couple upsets in there. Um, so we got Jay coming in over in Montana. Uh, God's country is I would say driving through it just once, but beautiful um, to Nick. tried telling Chad and Zach, but I became in my opinion is that locked and not do enough to not draft fields, but I have to take that up with Peyton. Um, obviously there is stuff. There has to be something there beyond the tape. With Fields, not that he is, you know, uh, Paxton Lynch or something like that, but to fall to 11, given his tape and multiple years of tape, high-quality tape as well. I don't know. Um, I I felt as dumbfounded um, with uh, Deshaun Watson falling to 12 that season, obviously on the football field. uh, That turned out to be right, but I also felt that that dumbfounded with – Josh Rosen falling to 10. And uh, that one turned out to be the league, the league, knew. obviously still in top 10, but uh, I
0: can give you, I can give you the, the Rosen one was always about, you know, does this guy even like playing football? That was always a yeah. question with Rosen with Watson was, he doesn't have that arm that, I mean, the, the similarities with, with, uh, with, yeah. uh, Deshaun Watson are going to be closer to Mac Jones than Justin Fields. When you start mm-hmm. comparing quarterbacks, you're going to start you, you, all the things that you're, you heard about Deshaun Watson coming out were the same things, being said about Mac Jones not Trey Lance, not Zach Wilson with these cannon for an arm. Um, it was more about the intangibles and that gets tougher to pick, to pick up that high. Yeah. Um, so, you know, my, my fear, and this goes to the Broncos as well is you don't expect to be drafting in the top five again. Right. Yeah. And the chances, if you needed a quarterback and, and I don't think they're ready to give up on drew lock, but it's so expensive to get yep. a franchise quarterback in the draft, what scares the, me to death is pulling a San Francisco 49ers and giving up three first-round draft picks for a maybe. It's that an opportunity cost. Death as a general manager. Yeah. It, it really does. And that was one of the reasons why it, it made sense. for When I look at some of these teams that I thought needed a quarterback, you look at the teams. We looked at PFF's quarterback rankings, and there were like five teams that were below where they had Justin Fields, for whatever that's worth, that passed on him. I'm like – it's going to be awfully expensive to try and get a guy. Uh, there's going to be a lot of teams whose drafts are going to be retroactively graded based on how Justin Fields does.
1: Yep. And I don't want to get too far in the weeds with the 2022 class, but I'm not nearly as impressed at this point with the arms in next year's class compared to what we saw this past season. Um, but uh, is what it is. I think if uh, Trey Lance had fallen to uh, six, I think he'd be a Bronco right now. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, here we are. And I'm really excited about uh, Patrick Sertan. Uh, he's going to, I think he's going to be moved around. I think he's going to be able to play some safety reps, some box reps, some slot reps, some boundary reps. So he's going to be a lot of fun. And also given what the board is and how, when now this coaching staff has to be to, uh, to keep their jobs. I don't think there was a better player they could have taken to help the coaches in this team right now, other than Patrick Stan. He helps this no, team in 2021. What we more said than
0: along with Sertan is you can, you can play him anywhere. You know, where's he going to play? Where do you need him? Yes. You know, he's got size. He's got fluid. He can play, literally, play across any one of a nickel, five spots on a nickel defense. He won't, obviously, but he yeah. could. So you're going to, he, he's going to see plenty of time and he's, he's going to be really good for the Denver Broncos. And, and that's what we said from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sorry for, for the regulars that hear me repeat myself a lot. Uh, apologize in advance, was, but if you're drafting in the top 10, you're either going to get your quarterback of the future or a player you can be really excited about watching. Yeah. Um. You know, and and well, a quarterback of the future prospect, and you should be excited about that. You know, that a new quarterback, a top ten quarterback, especially one of these guys, always represents hope for the future. There, that's not a win now move, but yep. it's always like, okay, I see that I see the light at the end of the tunnel now. Or you're going to get a guy that you can be really excited about watching play, and and Sertan's going to be one of those guys for the Broncos.
1: Yeah, he's going to be really good, and the Broncos had a a long term need at cornerback coming up, so. Uh, best team, best defenses, defenses historically, they are so volatile year to year. The top defenses, they tend to regress like an instant because it's so dependent on depth, uh, rookie contracts, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, we saw the Broncos defense in 2015, just fall off a cliff really quickly. Um, but the teams that have had some staying power have invested heavily in the depth and the
0: quality of their secondary. So the Broncos did that this offseason. Hopefully there's some staying power with how good. The well, and, and it also seems like you've got a pro bowler on there somewhere. Yes. One of the three well, yeah. levels. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, a, an edge rusher or a defensive tackle. It, it yeah. can be a linebacker, a safety or a corner. Somewhere you have to have a difference maker. Everybody else that can do their job, some blue-collar guys, and mm-hmm. then a few difference makers.
1: You so, need to, uh, you know, I think Dana Jeremiah has a formula that he uses where you have to have, um, for to, to a complete roster, um, you need two guys on the defensive front that are difference makers or building blocks, excuse me, building blocks for a team. Two in the front four and a three in the back seven. So uh, Broncos, I think they have that on paper. Now, Von Miller being 33 years old, you know, are, am I writing him in Sharpie? No, maybe maybe an erasable pen. So it looks like it, but uh, we'll see. You know, I want to get to this one from Mike here. Uh, rocking, looks like he's rocking, or his kid here is rocking the A's hat. Um, let us know what's going on with your A's, Mike. Are they coming up to Portland? I saw Russell Wilson was pretty excited about that option. Hopefully that wouldn't upset you too much. Um, but uh, Drew gets one more year to prove it his worth, like it or not. Mike, Drew Lock, I don't know if Drew is getting one more year. He's going to have to earn it this season. It's not going to be given to him. If Teddy Bridgewater outplays him, Drew's not playing. And I know that's going to make some people upset because they think that Teddy Bridgewater's upside is capped. It kind of mimics Broncos country's uh, discussion surrounding Paxton Lynch versus Trevor Simeon. Like Trevor Simeon, where are you going to track Trevor Simeon? We need to see what we have in Paxton Lynch. Um, That's not one for one, but it does kind of mimic that. But these are coaches that are fighting for their job this year. They cannot have a bottom three quarterback again this year and survive. So if Teddy Bridgewater gives them a better chance to win, they're going to play Teddy. It's, it's really, it really is that simple.
0: Uh, and and uh, wanted to get to Malcolm because you know I, I like these. What are the best and worst picks of the first round? Uh, I had a little time to think about it while you were talking, so I can I can go okay. first. Yeah, um, for sure. I got to go Trey Lance is the worst honestly. Oh man.
1: Okay, we'll see. We'll, yeah. we'll see.
0: I mean that it's a, it's a risky you know it's always risky taking a quarterback. You know to to say because he could end up being this or he could end up being that. But for me, not just because of the pick itself, but three first round picks for him. Man. You know, I that's that's tough. I yeah. I think I think that's that's a lot. That's not quite three second rounders for Sam Darnold bad because I think you know there's a lot more upside for Trey Lance. But you're talking about a guy coming out of North Dakota State who has played very little high-level ball, yeah. uh, has played very little at a high level, and you're gonna give up three first round picks for this guy. Whew. That's yeah. uh again, that's what scares me about not taking a quarterback. And then the guy that I really, really, really like. Is uh, Adolphe Owe with the Baltimore Ravens. There's a reason why the Baltimore Ravens always have defenses that are full of killers Freaks. because they get a six foot five, six foot six, two hundred sixty pound guy that runs in the four threes and can jump forty inches in the vertical and has all this athleticism. And it's like, it's just, just make it simple for him. Just put his hand in the ground and say, "Go, go get the... it's third and twelve, Adolphe. Go get that guy with the ball." And uh, he's got a chance to really develop and and take this superhuman physical ability that he has and become something special. So uh, could end up being a bust. No sacks last year. We're talking about everybody who was, uh, you know, we're talking about a guy that everybody, um, a combine warrior, so to speak, pro day hero. He's also first team all big 10. So we'll see. So I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go with Adolfo Oway as my, as my, my favorite pick of the, uh, the first round and my least favorite pick, I'm going to go with uh, with Trey Lance because it was three first-round picks. Uh, I just love Trey Lance too much, and if you identify your
1: guy and you go get him, I have a hard time faulting that, but that's the process versus the result. If the result's bad, it, you carry, it carries that much more weight. So I actually have two best and two worst. Um, two of them are just stay-puts picks, and two of them are process picks because process is key, um, in my opinion. Uh, so for the my, my favorite, um, just general sitting there letting the board fall to you, uh, draft pick, Greg Newsom uh, going to the Browns. The Browns are another team that really attacked the secondary this year. Uh, Greedy Williams has been injured. He struggled. Denzel Ward has not played more than 12 games in his entire career. They go out there and get an excellent boundary cornerback who also has some injury concerns, but they're adding another coverage guy. And we saw that Browns team last year. They went pretty close, toe to toe, with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. They have the best offensive line in football, and now they've really attacked that back seven. Miles Garrett, I think, is going to win Defensive Player of the Year. Um, he's an absolute, just talk about freaks, absolute alien, Miles mm-hmm. Garrett. Um, so I really love that pick of uh, them at, at getting a value position and another cornerback out there that can do a lot of different things. Um, my favorite process pick um, in this class, in the first round it was the Minnesota Vikings trading back from fourteen. All the way to twenty three, picking up a lot of extra capital as uh, Rex Spielman likes to do, and George Payton we thought might do, but he didn't end up doing. Um, taking Christian Darius there at uh, that's a great pick. Another he's a he can play gap, he can play zone. They've needed offensive line help for a while. They were able to get a really good tackle while adding extra picks. Fantastic. So those are my two favorites. Worst picks, um, just sitting there letting the board fall to them. Worst pick, uh, I think it was, uh, yeah, John said it here. Harris by Pittsburgh, uh, and I like Najee Harris, but uh, that that team investing in a running back position seems extremely short sighted. That offensive line was really bad; they've gotten worse every single year. The further Munchak has gotten from them, and uh, they could have used back seven, they could have used offensive line, they could have used uh, a number of positions, they could have used like, running back. I don't know that that Steelers team that felt like a short sighted move. I wouldn't have been a fan of that. And um, my other pro- my bad process pick. I like the player, but trading up to go get him. Uh, the the Jets moving up to, to 14 to get Elijah Vera Tucker. I really like Elijah Vera Tucker. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a guard in the league. You're giving up that much capital to go get a guard when you could have sat there at, uh, where, where, where did they end up? They would have been at 23, I think. You could have taken Christian Derrissaw there. You could have taken Tevin Jenkins there. You could have taken... Greg Newsome, you could have added an, another cornerback, uh, edge rusher. The Jets haven't had an edge rusher since like Jonathan Abram. Th- that's worth noting. Um, so, and that's even predating your Jonathan Abram in the Falcons days, I think. So uh, those are the ones that stick out to me.
0: And I, I think uh, the easy pick, the one that got that got panned the most right after it was Alex Leatherwood at 17. Uh, I thought Alex Leatherwood was a first round guy. So I don't yeah. necessarily mind the pick, but as a general manager, I think they could have picked up a couple of picks. I think they could have come down a little bit and, and gotten someone else. But again, if, if you, you know, to the, to the same point at 17, is it worth risking a third round pick to not get your guy to come down? So um, again, but, you know, looking, you know, looking at your board with Najee Harris and, uh, you know, I was listening to you say the, the positions they could have gotten um, you know, n- there wasn't another first round uh, offensive lineman taken after after Najee Harris. So I thought Tevin Jenkins was worth the pick at seventeen. So yeah. I, I don't know what happened with <laughs> Kevin. I loved Tevin. Um, but just just looking at the board and how it fell, yeah. um, you know. But then then you go to Edge, and I'm like, you know, when I think defense, I think I think Steelers Ravens. They so lost Oway. Adon 8 to the to the Steelers would have made yeah. perfect sense coming out of Penn State too. So yeah. um, you know that that could have been a way they can go. But good good question. Thank you. We always like we always like talking draft.
1: Yeah. It's always fun to also to put on the hindsight cap um, there, but uh, I mean, Newsome could have been one the Steelers taken there, taken two picks later, could have used edge rusher, obviously. Um, and I, I was a big fan of Tevin Jenkins. So I, I don't know what happened. I think there was a hip concern. Also. I think there was an issue with uh, him having a, a altercation, a physical altercation with a coach at uh, Oklahoma state <laughs> now. Uh, so you never like, I like, it
0: to, I like to hear both sides of that one. I've been around yes. some coaches that are lucky. They didn't get their ass beat by guys with, no. that I watch. So, you know, we had a, when I was in high school, we had a coach split his head open headbutting the one of his offensive linemen. So, I mean, there's two sides to all those stories.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, pivot here for a second. Cause I actually had a tweet um, yesterday that uh, I think it's already time to start talking about uh, 2022. And I know that you're not as in the weeds with the Broncos, especially the last 10 minutes here. And if we have any supers that can dictate us a different direction, but um and the way this Broncos team is set up right now, they have invested heavily in the secondary. They've invested heavily uh, two safety picks. You'd expect one of Jamar Johnson or Caden Stearns to be safety two next year. Um, and they'd probably let them sink or swim and uh, pivot from there. Um, you have a lot of depth at interior offensive line. You'd have uh, Javante Williams, the early investment at running back. You had a lot of wide receivers, assuming I'm, I'm not going to assume that Cortland Sutton's back. Obviously quarterback is one here where we're not sure um, if, if Broncos the new quarterback next year, that moves to the top of the list. Let's put that in a box. But for me, Broncos 2022. There are two positions that for the first round that people really need to start paying attention to and focusing on. And that is offensive tackle. No duh, We've been screaming about that for a while. Luckily seems like left tackled has solidified with Garrett Bowles, but that right tackle position, I think left tackle and right tackle are of, of equivalent value in today's NFL, given how much shotgun there is, how many teams are actually lining up their superior edge rusher, over the right tackle spot versus the left tackle spot, um, especially in the AFC West, that had been the case for a while with uh, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, and uh, um, Von Miller, of course. Um, but the right tackle—that's an area that needs investment. And edge rusher—I mean, that, yep, we got Jay right here coming in. Edge rusher is the other position. Uh, guys, Von Miller is going to be 33 years old in the last year of his contract. Bradley Chubb had uh, another injury; he's going to become really expensive. And edge rusher is a position where historically it's—it's it's a bunch of first-round guys, and then it's—you know—falls off a cliff. There are obviously outliers there, but uh, let's just look at the data. Mostly first round guys. So edge rusher and offensive tackle. Twenty twenty two needs outside of quarterback position. Those are the ones to look for. And the Broncos even tried to trade up for an edge rusher in this class to take Jalen Phillips. They they missed out, but they were interested.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm I'm behind. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, for the for the class of twenty two, I'm I i do not even want to start talking about it yet. So I'm, I'm listening just like everybody else. And when you're ready to move on, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I'm curious if anybody else has
1: any thoughts as well. I guess some dark horses as well would be the uh, interior defensive line um, for this Broncos roster. The way it stacks up, they look okay on paper right now, but it's a, a few old guys and a guy who's about to get expensive and a complete unknown. So you have uh, Shelby Harris brought back. I think a, I think a two year deal, three year deal. I'm I think it's maybe a two year deal that can become three. Um, so he is one that uh, you're expecting to have here for the next couple of years, but typically interior defensive linemen take two to three years anyway to really come into their own. The league is so different unless you're like a top five pick on the interior defensive line. So if you take a first round pick in 2022, especially one in that 15 to 25 range, that's more about a guy who's going to become a starter by like 2024. Um, So interior defensive line is one. And Mike Purcell coming off injury. Another older player could look be looking there. And Draymond Jones. I think Draymond Jones is going to explode this season. I'm really excited for him, Um, but uh, he's going to have to get paid. Then after that, so interior defensive line, I think is my dark horse and I will not stand it here. Linebacker position. I don't think you have to use a first round pick on linebacker unless there's a guy who's really special, but uh, it's like tight end. There's a bunch of some good
0: guys, but you don't have to use a first round pick. And it's, it's got to come back around because the interior defensive line class this year was non-existent, Yeah, you know, gosh. for the most part. So it's all cyclical. You know, we're not going to see, we're not going to see five quarterbacks in the top 15 again, anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I think, uh, it's got to come back around. So we'll see, mm-hmm. we'll just see who decides to show up for the class 22 with, uh, with the defensive lineman, because this wasn't a great year for them, which is mm-hmm. to me what made, uh, OA an, an interesting pick because, because of the upside there.
1: Yeah. I thought the edge class was better than the interior defensive line class had some depth, um, especially in that like pick 20 to 50 range. Um, but, uh, no real true. Blue tripper. And next year there is a blue tripper edge rusher in uh Thibodeau in Oregon who is freaky 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 freaky. Um really fun player. Um, so we got Charlie Beagle coming in here saying, uh, who took Kyle Trask? Uh it was the I believe it was the second round pick of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Might have been the third round pick. Not sure what they're doing there with that pick, but uh, you know, is what it is. That's that's fine. Um, and we have a uh, Jay Roper coming in here saying uh, strong safety for the Broncos is one to look at. And I want people, this is just a league hopping on the soapbox real quick. So people, so you listeners are a little bit smarter about the Broncos needs and scheme. The Bron- a lot of people have their mind or their, their perception based on the Wade Phillips defense, where it was much more single uh, cover one where you'd have a free safety and a strong safety. That's not really the Broncos defense guys. They play a lot of split safety. So really like free safety, strong safety, I guess they're labels, but really both safety are going to be asked to do a lot of the same things. So don't think about them as the, the dichotomized position where it's like, uh, the classic example is uh, the Seahawks with Cam Chancellor as the strong safety and Earl Thomas as the free safety. That's not what the Broncos are being asked to do. It's split field defense, cover four, cover six. Both safeties are going to do th- two things. I would even just drop uh, strong safety, free safety. I would just say safety, kind of like you don't say right cornerback, left cornerback. They're both asked to do similar things. That's that's true for the Broncos defense as well with uh, this defense.
0: Yeah, and wanted to get to. Uh... To Chris, it looks like Chris. I'm guessing that's Christian. Yes. <laughs> just haven't seen it spelled like that. That's uh that's unique to me. So um, appreciate it. Says um, morning guys. Can't wait to see Williams at the field. I think he takes Gordon's job by the end of the season. Uh, while while we were looking at that, um, I went and looked up his stats at North Carolina because you know we know he can run the ball, but what was interesting to me was how he got trusted in the passing game. Every year, his receptions went up, went from eight when he was a freshman, Mm -hmm. 17 to 25, zero, one and three on touchdowns. So he has been improving. And if you're if you've got a player, when I first started doing this cover in high school running backs, I was like, so what were your stats? He's like, oh, I had 100 carries for 2020 yards, high school guys. So, you know, they have big numbers. I'm like, how about receptions? Like, "Mm, no, I'm like, well, hell, he was averaging 18 yards a carry. (laughs) Why would I throw the ball to him? I just turn Mm -hmm. and hand it to him. So it's, it's seen as his, as his numbers, you know, he averaged 7.3 yards per rush. He doesn't need to catch the ball too much in, in college, but they still used him more and more as a weapon. So we know he can break tackles and we know he can catch the ball. So uh, whether he he takes Gordon's job, I think it's a, a point of just debate because you're, they're both going to see a ton of time. You know, you should, you should find 35 carries and, Whoever's getting, you know, maybe it's 15 and 20, 20 and 15 the next week. I think they're both going to see a lot of time.
1: Yeah. And thank you very much, uh, Christian. Um, I'm excited to see Williams, too. His volume in the past game was limited. And is that because of Williams? Is that because they had Michael Carter, who is also a li- little better in the past game um, when you actually needed a receiving option out of the backfield? Now, Javante Williams is a pass blocker. Oh. Chef kiss me good, gorgeous. I'm excited to see some highlights with him back there, taking on a, uh, a linebacker because he can stonewall some dudes. Um, that'll be really fun. And he, he takes, he takes his blocking. It looks like personally, right? Like he's mad. He blocks mad for a running back. I love it. Um, he brings that physicality there and that underappreciated aspect of playing the running back. But as a pass catcher, he looks like he has soft hands. He looks like the routes are fine. Uh, but just the volume's not there. And that's part, probably partially having Michael Carter, probably also that, uh, I need to look up the, this, offensive coordinator from North Carolina because he, he just drives me and pulls my hair out watching Sam Howell. It's like, what is this make-believe offense? But I kind of had that issue with the Clemson last year too, running a lot of high school concepts. Um, but uh, Christian, good comment here. Is he going to take Gordon's job by the end of the season? Is Gordon holding on to the football? I think that's the biggest thing, but it's the same thing with Drew Locke, but also it applies for Melvin Gordon. This team turned the ball over last year, like handing out candy on Halloween. You can't do that with how limited this offense has been and uh, being a defensive predicated team. So uh, protect the football. I think Gordon will keep it. Um, but uh, they would love Williams to take Gordon's spot um, because Williams is going to be the guy of the future, no doubt. Um, but uh, you know, we'll see. And uh, Jeremy with a good point here. Williams is super smart as well. Uh, valedictorian. I think he had a 4.6 in college or in high school. So that's great. He's also 20 years old, 21 years old. He's extremely young. He also has like 200 300 less touches than Travis Etienne and uh, Najee Harris which uh, I think matters a heck of a lot for a uh, running back coming in. Did you see about this this maybe this will be uh, news to you there's a running back recruit who is opting out of his senior year as a uh, running back who's going to go to Texas. Which for other positions offensive line quarterback etc I might have an issue with that, but as a running back, I don't know if it's the worst thing.
0: Uh, it's it's just this the the uh, the the Time off from last year gave the college kids the excuse to do what they, a lot of them should have been doing anyway. just sitting out their junior years, you know, opt, opting out. Um High school kid. It's a high school. He's going to be a high school. Uh, I know. I know. So, uh, yeah. So the, the, just going down the line mm. again, the unholy collusion between the NCA and NFL is so anti-player and anti opportunity that you're going to see more and more of this. And if, I don't blame him. Um, You know, I I don't blame him. Uh, You know, he's got a huge future ahead of him. Why should he go get, you know, these guys are, the high school kids are playing 15 and 16 games now, you know, especially in Texas. They don't get done until Christmas. They play 15 games, 16 games a year. You're going to give him, that's going to be 500 carries for a running back like that. I don't blame him. Yeah, Yeah. I, I don't. It makes me, it makes me a little sad for the game itself, but the way that the people with all the money treat the players, it's uh. I see it. And, and just going back to, uh, to Javante Williams on this, you know, I mentioned his, his uh touches, his carries. Well, him and Michael Carter last year were one carry away difference for touches for the whole season. Isn't that crazy? 157 uh, rushes versus 156 rushes. And they both had 25 receptions. That is splitting the load.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, uh, it's a good point. And by the way Williams runs as well, I'm glad that he doesn't have as many carries and Jay. I want to, Jay, I got to take uh not offense to you here, but uh, just, I got to disagree. Fangio's scheme works better when he has a box safety that can cover and hit from reviewing Fangio's defenses from uh, the 49ers to the bears. I, the, the Point to me, the box safety. I do not see it. I don't see that guy out there. He does not really use a dime backer. Now, maybe that's going to change Here he's talking about using more defensive backs. I honestly think that you're going to see, um, Patrick Sertan as more of the box role defensive back as the de facto box safety, I guess, uh, other than like a Simmons or a Kareem Jackson. But a lot of times with Fangio's, uh, safeties, it's split field look, or it's coming down and playing over the slot. It's not in the box. So, uh, I just, from my review of the defenses, he does not use that player. And it's a big reason I didn't think J- uh, Jeremiah Usakoromoa was a, uh, much of a scheme fit just because historically he has not used that body type just hasn't. So I don't know. I guess we'll see. And now we have Jeremy coming in here. Sertan will be the sixth defensive back. Uh, we'll see. It's going to be a competition back there. Um that's that's a good way to let's get out of here with this. Um, I want to hear your opinion here on just how, with how stacked the Broncos defensive backfield is throw your hat in the ring. Who are going to be the Broncos starters in the defensive backfield? Yeah, have- it's, <laughs>
0: it's tough for me. You know, I, okay. I can't compare them one or the other. What what I can tell you is Sertan will be uh, at worst, the number two guy across the board. So he's going to find his time, whether he beats out one of the two corners. I don't know, but mm-hmm. can he play? Can you put him in a spot right now? And can he play? Yeah, he can help you. Um, can you be a nickel guy or move one of your smaller guys to the nickel while he's covering the outside? Yes. Yes, you can't. Could you even use him in a free safety role? Uh, depending on what you want to do. And, and frankly, the sixty DB is going to get on the field. That's a dime package. So, what I do know is Patrick Sertan can help this year and help a lot. And he's versatile enough to help you in a lot of ways that they're going to find a spot for him on the field.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, obviously you have Darby, you have Bryce Callahan, you have Kyle Fuller, you have uh, Michael Ojamudia who's coming back this year, who, man, pretty good player here. Um, and I, Jay, I'm not going to let it go, man. I got I to pull up the stats here. Um You could see the Broncos, I guess, maybe moving on from Bryce Callahan, who was phenomenal last year, but you have a, uh, a big uh, usage for him. Um, But yeah, that's the, uh, that's the biggest one. So uh, we'll see. I think that Sertan is going to be, he's going to get enough snaps to be the number three. I would take a little bit of exception. I think you're going to see Ronald Darby with how much they paid him and uh, Kyle Fuller, given his skins on the wall um, and uh, his note, his Ability in this scheme specifically, um, we will see him out there. Uh, but Sertan, with how much four, uh, four, or how much five and six defensive back looks you're going to see with this defense, he's a starter. He's a starter, and what's what's his role exactly remains to be seen. But he's going to be a starter. Um, so, guys, I think that's going to have to do it for us today. Uh, sorry, we started two minutes late. Uh, we'll be better than that next time. Uh, we are not. We're not following the uh, the Chad and Zach plan of action. Also, everyone put out good vibes for. Chad, I know that he's uh, he's a busy guy right now. Not anything's bad, but uh, he's got a lot on his plate um, with uh, the family life coming on a, a new, <laughs> a new edition coming here soon. So that'd be great for him. Uh, but guys, follow us on Twitter at Nick Kendall, MHH for myself and at scout Kennedy for Scott or for Scott. And uh, Scott, are you starting to get a little nervous for uh, Saturday?
0: You know, uh, it's nice when you're a heavy underdog. The mm-hmm. the nerves really don't start kicking in until you like get a one-nothing lead, and then you're like, Man, we actually have a chance at this. Then yeah. then it starts becoming nerve wracking. And and I don't think Chelsea will be in the we're just happy to be here mode, but nobody expects Chelsea to win. So it's hard to get too nervous. I learned that in college. I'm like, there's there's a certain calm and utter doom, you know? Yeah. You're nervous about taking a test when you're not sure how well you're gonna do, when you know you're gonna fail, you're calm. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm looking, looking forward to it, though. That was uh, the Europa League final yesterday. I know we got a couple Manchester United people on here. It was nuts. It went to penalty shootouts, and they made 21 in a row. 21 penalties in a row before Manchester United's goalie missed one because he was the 11th player on the field to take one. Anyway, there's my 45 seconds of soccer talk, and I will stop it now.
1: <laughs> well, that's – uh. I still enjoy it. So thank you everybody. Um, we got Georgia St. City's winning it all probably, but we'll see. Great show guys. Uh, Jay coming in and saying, I love y'all. Um, Vinny coming in and say, you hear what the cheater Patriot news. Yeah, man, we live in a simulation. It's weird times out here. Um, Charlie saying a Juan James Jensen. If you guys make a big enough super chat for uh ch- chat in the huddle of pod, he might take consideration there. Um, we got Jason saying well, gentlemen, as well as want to enjoy your day and keep it classy. Broncos country Ron saying, uh, Great show guys. Go from Ron uh, Burgundy to Mo Ron. That was awesome. <laughs> we got Greg Smith. Also great podcast. Fellas, Greg we always appreciate you coming in Malcolm back up in, uh back up in Alaska. So we'll be excited about that. Uh, I need to get up to Alaska at some point while I'm up here. So we will, we'll do that. Um, EJ coming in here. Great point here. Um, great show guys. Smash the like button uh, for the Broncos. Yeah, guys, if you are joining us, Facebook or YouTube, please click the thumbs up. We appreciate that a lot that does a lot of good for us. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at huddle up pod also at mile high huddle Um, guys. If you are joining us, like I said, on Facebook, YouTube, click the thumbs up, click the heart react. If you're joining us on YouTube though, please subscribe, like, and share. That is the number one thing you can do to help us outside of super chats, uh, get this show out there to more listeners. Also guys, please, please, please um, go to youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Scott Kennedy. Scott is approaching that threshold he needs to get to for subscribers. And uh, if you're liking what's going on here, if you want to support us in a way that really takes no time and effort at all, or n- no monetary value, et cetera, like you're not donating, just go to Scott's page and like it. Um, I will also drop the uh, list of subscribe on um, the chat uh, before we get on out of here as well. And uh, Scott, you want to give a shout out to our, our don our donors today, our super donors yeah,
0: for sure. Uh, we had, uh, you know, plenty of supers. Air Mason came in twice. Thank you. Thank you, Mason. Uh, Kyle, as always, I, I see you in my list of, uh, of, of followers on YouTube as well. So thank you for the support. Malcolm, as always, uh, Christian Garris, and, and Richard Beisenkulter. So uh, from, uh, from across the pond. And I, if I missed one, I, I don't think I did. If I did, I apologize. But as always, uh, the, the super chats are, are a big help for us to, uh, to keep this thing going and grow it bigger and better. And we're having a lot of fun doing it. So appreciate all the good words and the support.
1: Yeah, and also uh, Christian Garas. Did you say that one as well? So that's the. I probably said that one right. He's rocking. You didn't
0: recognize it.
1: Uh, Probably so, uh, guys. That's going to do it for us. Again, make sure you subscribe to all of our channels. All of that stuff. That's going to do it for Broncos for Breakfast. You all stay safe. You all stay beautiful. Go Broncos.